This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are HEJ.tax and we do these live streams every week. We're actually doing three this week. So we, we love to, to talk to people and hear the concerns and perhaps point them in the right direction. Patricia, do you want to say a few words? Hi there. Um, I'm Patricia from Global Citizen Solutions. We are a consultancy firm on the citizenship uh, by investment scenario. So we have help lots of international clients with uh, their immigration processes or just buying property or investing abroad, uh, Portugal being a big market. We have, this live came about, um, I follow uh, Darren Augusta very closely, um, find very helpful a lot of the services and, and um, lives, and it kind of helps gear people in the right direction when they're navigating this kind of tax scenario. So we thought it would be uh, a good opportunity to extend that to some of our clients or people considering or already kind of um, living away. So thanks for, for everyone that joined and hopefully you find it as useful as um, we do. Fantastic. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks for giving us the opportunity to speak to your audience. So as I said, we HGG.tax and we do these live streams every week. We help uh people with international tax issues in general us portugal in particular as well as multiple jurisdictions so we have clients that are us portugal spain france because they have activity in several jurisdictions we're happy to help now in terms of some some just just a few pointers this is being recorded so if it is that you do not want your image to be displayed on the recording that we're making you feel free to switch your camera off. You should be, okay, so I will mute participants. Okay, so everyone is muted when you enter. Please don't unmute unless uh, you wanna ask a question. Questions and answers are at the end. So please just keep it muted while they, at least the beginning part. So this is going to be divided into two parts. At the beginning, uh, Augusto is going to talk us through uh, some of the technical points in terms of Portugal taxes. And then immediately, I know you guys have questions because we got you emails. If you sent an email, yes, we did get it. And we will answer them in the order in which they were received. For those who could not make it, I know some of you have friends or colleagues who couldn't make it. This is being recorded and it will be available uh, after the session. We put it up on YouTube and SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and wherever you get your favorite podcasts, this will probably be available. So as we are licensed tax professionals, we have to say that this should not be construed as advice. If it is you walked in here thinking, hey, at the end of this, I'm gonna be able to take pen and paper and do my own tax returns. Sorry to disappoint. What, we, what we're gonna do is highlight key principles that you need to keep in mind and you need to bring up with your advisor who will know your situation inside out. So again, we're just gonna highlight key issues. This is not meant to be advice. You can take it as educational and for some of you, you can take it as entertainment. 
but this is not advice. You know, we need to stay out of trouble with our licensing and governing boards. So without further ado, I turn you over to the hands of the Portugal tax expert, Augusto Polino. Augusto, the stage is yours. Hello, everyone. Thanks, thanks for joining. Thanks, Patricia and, and Darren for, for, for the invitation. Maybe I, I can introduction of myself. I'm a tax advisor here in Portugal, and we uh, we work with both private and corporate clients. And um, among of our clients or private clients, we have um, several. Um, individuals that decide to, to move to Portugal or at least are considering uh, to move to Portugal. And um, the idea is that I provide just a, a brief, a brief int introduction of the tax regime in Portugal, namely with respect to the non-habitual residence regime, which is a favorable tax regime for individuals that are uh, considered to move to Portugal. And invest in Portugal, and uh, maybe I can start with that uh, brief presentation, and then we move to the Q and A, as Darren as Darren suggested in the beginning. So maybe I can share my screen the presentation, and please confirm if you are able to to see it. I don't know already. Okay. So um, I'll try to be uh, brief in terms of the presentation, not taking uh, too long or entering too much detail, but anyway, just uh, uh, I'll try to cover these uh, topics. So uh, uh, talk about uh, uh, tax registration and non-habitual residence application the main tax ob obligation for, for individuals in Portugal, which, which is the personal income tax annual return. Uh, uh, I'll try to summarize the main features of this regime and, uh, and, and, and try to uh, summarize the benefits of such regime. So in terms of the, uh, uh, the tax uh, registration and the, the first uh, uh, remark that, that I would like to, to, to address is the fact that we usually um, think of Portugal uh, as a place where people can decide to live, but also uh, it could be the case that uh, only invest and not become tax resident in Portugal. So I will only address the cases where individuals move to Portugal and intend to spend most of the time here and then became tax resident. Because when we talk about the NHR regime, is a regime applicable to tax residents in Portugal. And this is the first uh, uh, message that I would like to, to, to leave. So people can have, for example, a residence permit or a visa and not become tax resident in Portugal, of course. So this, this NHR regime has some conditions. Uh, mainly, uh, the main condition would be, of course, to be the first time or at least was not registered as tax resident in the previous five years in Portugal. So uh, this is one condition. And the other one that... I already mentioned tax resident. 
in Portugal and not elsewhere. And the application for the energy regime is made until uh, the end of March of the year following the one that the, the, the change of the tax residency occurs. And it is, it is a regime that is applicable for 10 years. So this is um, <clears throat> in terms of the, um, the conditions. Uh, to to become tax resident and be considered tax resident in Portugal. The first criteria would be spend more than one in any 12-month period. One of situations where individuals become tax resident. But uh, individuals can also be considered tax resident in Portugal, even in case they spend less than 183 days, but uh, a property, a dwelling in Portugal, in conditions that uh, suggest the intention to, to maintain and occupy uh, such property as habitual residence. In terms of the, the tax uh, uh, registration procedures, in brief terms, uh, um, once you uh, individual become tax resident in Portugal, he needs to report here the worldwide income, so income from Portuguese and foreign source. And the main steps are, uh, of, uh, the first step would be to apply the uh, apply for the Portuguese taxpayer number, which is something that usually occurs the moment that uh, uh, the individual starts the process of getting, for example, a visa or residency permit. Then the moment that he moves to Portugal on a permanent basis to register as tax resident, apply for the NHR status, and then from that moment on, on an annual basis to file uh, uh, the personal income tax return. Uh, the, the, the tax period in Portugal is the calendar here. As I mentioned, uh, individuals need to report worldwide. And another important aspect that they need to report in bank accounts. So uh, the obligation is to report just the number of the bank accounts, not to report balances or assets held abroad. Uh, just uh, trying to cover some of the main features of the energy regime. With respect to the passive income, what we call passive income from foreign source, uh, there is uh, exemption available, um, namely in those cases uh, where uh, uh, the, the, the income can be subject to taxation at source under the double tax treaties concluded by Portugal. For example, in case of interest or dividends, these are usually sources of income that are taxable at source and then exempt from personal income tax in Portugal under the energy regime. The same applies, for example, to rents from properties held uh, abroad. Uh, of course, there are some uh, exceptions and um, to give one, one uh, uh, example of uh, foreign source income that is subject to taxation and not exempt under the NHR regime would be the case 
of uh, capital gains derived from the sale of uh, securities in general terms and uh, also do not benefit from the exemption uh, income sourced in uh, what we call blacklisted jurisdictions. Portugal has a long list of uh, um, jurisdictions that are considered blacklisted and uh, we should pay attention um, in evaluating the, the taxation in case of any income derived from those, those jurisdictions. Um, uh, uh, with respect to uh, other sources of income, uh, in this case, um, employment income or self-employment income, uh, exemptions under the NHR regime are also available, but in this case, uh, uh, other uh, income, uh, the requirement is to be uh, effectively taxed at source. So uh, effective taxation is required to grant uh, exemption. Uh, with respect to self-employment income, uh, the exemption could also apply, but only in case of income derived from the so-called high-value activities. There is a list of activities that are considered high-value added for this purpose, and only self-employment activities can be uh, uh, exempt. Um, one, one comment with respect to pension income from foreign source, which is currently subject to taxation at a flat rate of 10%. In the past, uh, there was also full exemption from, uh, for pension income from foreign source, which is no longer the case. Um, and and uh, with respect to income from Portuguese source, also let you know that there is also uh, there is also uh, some benefits, namely uh, a percent flat rate applicable to salaries or self-employment income. Again, if such. Uh, income derives from high-value-added activities. This is the list of high-value-added activities. I, I will not enter into much detail, but here it is. Uh, so in, in, in trying to summarize, uh, so this NHR regime is a, a favorable tax regime. Uh, Portugal is a, a white-listed tax environment, so we get benefits from double tax treaties and so on. Um, we also have uh, some benefits uh, with, with respect to uh, the sale of assets um, in some circumstances, for example, real estate assets could be exempt from taxation, capital gains. Uh, uh, there could be also advantages in terms of um, inheritance or gift taxes because we can get exemptions uh, in Portugal uh, if the assets are not located here or if the, uh, mm, the assets are uh, inherited by um, descendants. And then um, it's still a, a good uh, um, 
tax environment with respect to the retirement income because template if applicable is still competitive so this is more or less the the main uh, features that I would like to present and I don't know if Adairon can can or want to to have any uh, some additional comments in this respect all right fantastic thank you very much for that comprehensive overview Augusto so again for those who just joined us uh please feel free to type your questions down below if you did email your questions we have them and we'll get to them in the order in which we receive them if you are watching this on one of the other platforms like facebook again you can just type in the box below and we will get to them in the order in which they receive okay right so all right let's look at our first question uh hello I have received conflicting advice about whether U.S. citizens living in Portugal under the NHR need to pay the 10% tax on uh, in Portugal on their Social Security benefits. Could you address this? And this is from Charlotte. So Social Security uh, payments from the U.S. government, Augusto, how are those treated from a, a Portugal tax perspective? Okay, so um, uh, the, the, the question is uh, how such income would be uh, dealt under the double tax treaty between Portugal and the US? Because Correct, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. um, social security benefits deriving from uh, uh, public service, for example, would be taxed exclusively in the US under the double tax treaty. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, this would mean that such income, even if received by a, a tax resident in Portugal, uh, should be taxed in the US only, and then not subject to taxation in Portugal, not because of the NHR regime, but because of the double tax treaty rules. Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. I don't know if... No, that, I mean, it short and sweet, that is exactly what it is. But then, you know, Charlotte, we understand because uh, a lot of this is, is brand new for uh, quite a few tax practitioners, right? And understanding the nuances of the treaty and, and so on. So it can be uh, a source of some misunderstandings, but for us, the, this is unambiguous. It's taxed in the U.S. Again, and you know how it is in the U.S. Only when it's above a certain threshold would it be taxed in the U.S. in the first place, and it should not be taxable to Portugal. So, hope that helps. Oh, she has uh, the the questioner has a follow up question. What is considered public service? Oh, okay. I, I think uh, I think the double tax treaty also has a definition. But is is services provided to the government uh, and other public institutions? Uh, I do not recall exactly the terms, but uh, something like this: government, public services, uh, and public institutions. We can. Mm -hmm. 
maybe yeah. we can confront that after the yeah exactly uh so in, in fact you know in the in the in the tax treaty itself it is uh it is clearly spelled out as social security itself so you know if when it is charlotte when you're consulting with with your with your tax team you guys can have a deeper dive into it but social security is named as social security itself in the in the treaty and then the treatment of social security is, is clearly defined so yeah hope that helps moving on if that's okay uh how is capital uh, augusto i know you, you touched on these in some of your slides uh but you know just for, for for clarity so someone is asking how is capital gains tax and i i know it's, it depends right whether it's capital gains it could be from securities income in which should be treated in a certain way it could be from real estate you know so it is a, a wide kind of question okay. isn't that Yes, we need to to confirm yeah. the, the 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 nature of the capital gain. But to give uh, two examples, we can consider capital gains on on the sale of uh, real estate, for example. Mm -hmm. The rule would be that those capital gains would be taxed in the country where the property is located, and therefore uh, exempt from taxation in Portugal. This uh, uh, would be uh, the most common situation under the double tax treaties concluded by Portugal. So taxation at source, exemption under the NHR regime in Portugal. Uh, uh, with respect to securities, it's the opposite because usually the double tax treaties allow the taxation uh, at uh, the country of residence, which in this case would be Portugal, and then when it's granted under the NHR regime. There are uh, uh, some exceptions to this uh, rule. Uh, for I can recall, for example, Brazil, where the double tax treaty concluded between Portugal and Brazil uh, is an exception, but in uh, the most common situation would be that the capital gains gains on the sale of securities would be subject to taxation in Portugal under the NHR regime. Thank you very much for that. And so generally speaking, and so this is one thing that we want to get clear. I know that the NHR is, is very nuanced. It's not as simple as like the Beckham Law next door in Spain, the flat tax in Italy, res non dom in Italy or the UK, uh, in Ireland or the UK, where it's it's really domestic income tax, foreign income not tax. So with the NHR, it's, it's quite nuanced. There's some things that aren't, some things that aren't, and they're varying rates. One of the the big shocks that we see with our clients. One thing we recommend is not just that you get advice, and this is something that you can do not not necessarily with us but whoever your preferred tax team is run a model let the math drive your planning decision so we we help clients run models where we say okay we, you may not have moved to portugal yet but if you were to move this will be what your us return looks like and this is what your, your portugal return would look like and then when you, if you see something that it's kind of okay, you can deal with it, then fine, you give it a thumbs up, let it ride. Otherwise, we can look at it as we can look for planning opportunities. 
So one of the big sticker shocks that uh, US persons get when they move to Portugal, I mean, this is the most common one, would be securities income. You know, they have their investments, they have, you know, ETFs, they have whatever funds that they have, uh, you know, stashed away. And then suddenly they realize, my goodness, this is subject to what? Such a high tax rate in Portugal. So a lot of sticker shock. Again, sit with an advisor, understand how the math works, and there are planning opportunities around that. But generally speaking, capital gains, tax-free outside of Portugal, as, as Augusto mentioned, but securities income and for, for the type of clients that we deal with, that's a, a major part of their wealth portfolio. So this is something that really requires attention before you jump in. Hope that helps. Okay, moving down the list. Okay, so this is a different one. Someone wants to set up a business in Portugal when, and they're asking, what is the average salary in Portugal? I mean, that's really wide, right? It depends on exactly what you want the person to do. But maybe what's the minimum wage? Maybe that, that's kind of helpful as a guide. What's, what's the minimum wage, uh, Augusto? It's uh, near eight, uh, uh, 800 euros. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so whoever asks using 800 euros is, if it is that you kind of in, still in the planning stages of whether you want to set up, that's kind of like the ballpark as to what a minimum wage would be. Obviously, it needs to be higher to attract talent depending on what you're trying to do, but that's hopefully a useful guide. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the list of professions. So someone is asking about the list of professions. Augusto did have a slide on that. So the list of high, high value added activities, it changes over time. You know, the government reserves the right to tweak it. So Augusto had the most recent one. If this was being recorded, you can just play over the recording and you can hit pause and you, and you can see the list. Now, having said that, it is sometimes not very clear as to, you know, exactly what the job description would be. So I would recommend, you know, you sit with Augusto, you sit with whoever your preferred Portugal tax advisor would be to, you know, to make sure that your profession has a chance of being qualified into one of those boxes. Otherwise, you may need to, again, do some planning around that. Uh, okay, someone is asking re-self-employment author author okay author right writer is listed as high value if i write a book in portugal and sell it in the u.s would the u.s income be exempt in, in portugal uh so i guess if it is that you're selling if assuming you're going to sell it on amazon then uh amazon will pay you royalties so i guess that's the question would royalty income from the u.s be tax or tax exempt coming into Portugal? Under the NHL regime, in case of royalties, are exempt. All right, so there you go. So right away, you just write as many books as you want. Portugal is not going to tax it as long as you're protected by the NHR. Okay. Okay, yes, someone is commenting on Glassdoor. Okay, right, yeah. Okay, moving down gift taxes so in the us there are taxes on gifts depending on the threshold depending on from whom and to whom and gifts 
taxes or transfer taxes in the US are levied potentially on the person giving the gift. Augusto, are there gift taxes in Portugal? There are, but um, only with respect to assets located here in Okay, so th that's interesting. So in terms of let's so on put assets outside of Portugal, no gift tax, no problem once you're under the NHR. But if it's Portugal's CITES assets, but just very roughly, how does the gift regime work here in Portugal? Well, we have a general rate of 10% in case in general terms. Mm -hmm. uh, gifts okay so 10% and is the tax levied on the person but the, there are exemptions right there are exemptions for for instance in case of descendants children kids and stuff like that so it depends on the relationship between the person giving and the person receiving right so but generally yeah, yeah. speaking yeah. looking at 10% okay that's good to know right Okay, someone coming in. If it's not too late, I would like to submit these two questions for discussion. Okay, number one, how does the US and Portugal tax treaty work if all of your income, pension, social security, interest, distributions from a retirement fund is US-based and you have no income in Portugal, but you reside in Portugal? Do you pay your US taxes first, then claim a credit on your Portugal taxes. So this is something I'll, I'll just, you know, give a perspective here, Augusto. This is something that we deal with <laughs> all the time, right? So generally speaking, if you reside in Portugal, we would suggest that, you know, you, you speak to Augusto, whoever it is you, you is advising you from a Portugal tax perspective, you speak to that person and get them to prepare their returns first, because the way it works, even though it's all US source income, we would need to, the person who's doing your US return, whether it's us or whoever you prefer, they would need to trigger some special elections on the form 1116 to make sure that you're not double taxed because otherwise you will be, you, there's a risk of being taxed twice and nobody wants to be double taxed, right? So you reduce the risk of being double taxed by making sure if you're Portugal tax resident, get your Portugal stuff done first. And then we take we make special elections on your US tax return. And basically we do something technical called resourcing your income. So even though everything you mentioned is US source, we would treat it, there's an election to treat it as if it were foreign source. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that's the way the tax law works. And therefore we'll get to credit against your US liability for taxes paid in Portugal. So that's that's how we avoid double, the, the double tax in that situation. But unfortunately, depending on what your situation is, because I don't know your situation, right? You, If it is, uh, you're still subject to tax at the state level in the US, unfortunately, double taxation is indeed a risk. Where's the, because where's the federal government may give you a credit for taxes paid to Portugal and, and therefore reduce your US liability at the federal level, usually states do not recognize foreign tax credits. 
So without proper planning, you may be hit with double tax uh, at, at the state level. So, you know, again, seek advice if possible. We normally advise our clients to be very careful in terms of tax planning around states. So if it is you, especially if you're in one of the high tax states like in New York or California or whatever, we recommend that you sever your tax domicile with your state if it is one of the taxing states and reestablish domicile in one of the seven or eight states without an income tax. Popular ones being Nevada, Florida, Texas, you know, Wyoming, Alaska, whatever. So pick one of those states and we can coach you through that establishing domicile so that you can manage your state taxes because you would imagine you you would imagine that once you leave the state and you don't reside in New York or California for a number of years that that's it you should have cut tax ties but unfortunately that's not how the law works so you need to take uh, special deliberate and thoughtful action to to manage your state tax domicile but at the federal level with once your tax team knows what they're doing and they coordinate you should be able to avoid most instances of double tax at the federal level. I hope that answers your first question, uh, Silas. In terms of your second question, okay, so his second question is, are distributions from a traditional IRA into a Roth tax in Portugal? I was told by the finances that in Portugal, distributions from retirement accounts are not taxed because the money use for them was post-tax okay traditional to Roth. okay so just just to kind of clarify terms so in terms of retirement funds generally speaking we have a Roth, which you invest with after-tax money so correct that money has already been taxed and you put it into a retirement fund or you can just have a traditional ira which is pre-tax money so the money has not been taxed and you put it into the retirement fund. Now, when you pull it out at the requisite time uh, with the required, the RMD, the required minimum distributions, they will be, if it was not taxed, so if it was a traditional, it'll be taxed on the way out by the US. And if it, it was after tax, like a Roth, it sh you should be able to pull it out tax-free. Now, in Augusto's deck, in his presentation, he did mention that 10% tax on pensions. That's relatively new because it didn't exist like a couple of years ago, but it, it rel it's relatively new, it's 10%. However, there, there is an opportunity, there is planning, there's a planning opportunity. If it is, so for example, you uh, you have you have a Roth, right? If it is that you could, uh, you keep great records and you can bifurcate the income and you can demonstrate how much of it was the original principle that you invested and how much of it is a return on that investment or a yield, a return on that investment, then the return would be taxable 10% by Portugal, but the original amount that is after tax income that you put in should not be taxable. But of course, this is a function of your record keeping and some people find this quite difficult. But if you can do that, that that's a huge win in terms of a, a tax planning uh, opportunity. Uh, Augusto, any thoughts on that? No, that's exactly the, what you mentioned. So 
the challenge would be to split between income and uh, capital, let's say, contributed, mm -hmm. and uh, only only uh, the income component would be subject to taxation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to check on some of the other platforms to see if anyone is asking questions on Facebook or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> yes, there are. Okay. Sorry, I'm looking at you guys on Facebook now. Sorry, I, I've been ignoring you. Sorry. All right. Uh, okay, so this one, this is related to France and not related to Portugal. So I, I'm sorry, Maddie. I'll, I'll skip that for now, but we are going to do France uh, later this week. So if you have a look at HEG.tax, and we'll be talking about French tax issues at the next live stream. Sorry, not this one. I'm sorry. Uh, Next question, Stephen is asking, just to clarify re-social security benefits, most Americans pay into and then receive social security rather than private or public jobs. Therefore, if someone contributed into social security purely in private employment, blah, 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 blah. Okay, right. So again, this has nothing, as Augusto mentioned, this is not really a function of NHR, but of the tax treaty. The tax treaty itself treats with social security and there's a special carve out for social security in the tax treaty like Augusta mentioned so if it is the income that you're receiving is social security as Augusta mentioned it will so to your point to your point Stephen whether it is that you were working in the private or the public sector the point is it's government social security and it would be shielded from tax in Portugal by by the tax treaty as, as Augusta mentioned okay but Thanks for asking that. It's good that you ask asking for clarification because it's good to get this stuff cleared out. Thank you. Uh, next one, Sergey. How, okay, Portuguese and incorporated US citizens working remotely for the for US clients attached under the NHR. My profession is on the list of high value added. So I don't, uh, Sergey, so I'll read Sergey's question and I'll just comment on it. So Sergey is asking, how are Portuguese incorporated U.S. citizens working remotely for U.S. clients taxed under the NHR? My profession is on the list of high value. Okay, somebody, okay, somebody just moved it. Okay, my profession is on the list of high value added. Do I just pay twenty percent flat or twenty percent plus additional taxes plus such as social security, etc.? So. Sergey, I don't understand what you mean by Portuguese incorporated U.S. citizen. So I'm just going to assume that you are a, a U.S. person. You're working or theoretically maybe working in Portugal. And it so happens, luckily, that your whatever your profession is, is on that list of high value added, right? So your clients, you're working as I'm assuming as well that you're going to be working as a freelancer. So you're not... I'm assuming that you are not an employee, but you're going to be a freelancer. So you're, you are here in Portugal. So the question is, Augusto, freelancer, American, Portugal, is it just 20% if his profession is on the list, or is it 20% plus something else? Well, uh, unfortunately, I need to say that is more uh, something else because we have social security contributions in Portugal as mm -hmm. well for self-employers. So from the moment that uh, the activity is performed mainly uh, in Portugal, physically, 
then uh, the self-employers are also subject to social security contributions. And the NHR regime, it's a, a, a regime that uh, has benefits for personal income tax purposes only. So the general rules with respect to social security will apply, meaning that the self-employer will have one year of exemption, but after that uh, uh, initial period of exemption, social security contributions will be due in Portugal. Okay. And it's how much is it? It's at 21? 21.4%. 21.4%. In case of self-employers in general terms. Yeah. All right. So, Sergey, sorry about that. So, you, but the good news, I mean, Augusto did give you some good news. He's saying that your first year will be free of Social Security, but after that first year, it kicks in. As you know, in the US, in the US is 15.3, so just a little bit more, 21.4. But, you know, you know, it's unavoidable, unfortunately. Okay, hope that answers your question. Uh, next one. Okay, I was wondering where are crypto guys? Okay, we have we have our first crypto question. Because how could you do a live stream on Portugal without talking about crypto? Come on, right? Okay, so Samir is asking. I hope you're doing well. I have a question. Does Portugal tax capital gains or personal income for holding crypto digital assets? That's that's the first one. And then his second question is can one hold crypto as an asset on the balance sheet with a Portugal company? So let's deal with the first question first, right? So Augusto, so Samir is asking, does Portugal tax capital gains, that's once, or personal income on crypto digital assets? Well, I believe that the answer is all over the internet, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, um, well, uh, at least for now, there is no rule for taxation unless those, uh, those capital gains uh, derive from uh, a business activity. So if the main source of income and uh, the number of transactions, it's basically the main activity of the individual. In such case, it can be considered as a business profit. Okay, so I, but again, I'm glad that Samir is asking because again, there's this, as you say, all over the internet, there's this perception crypto is completely tax free in Portugal, but it is not completely tax free. As always, there's some little nuance to it. So, as Augusto said, capital gain as an investor, tax free. But if it is that you are deriving income, so it's somehow your source of business. And this is very, very nuanced. You're going to want to sit down with Augusto, whoever your preferred Portugal tax advisor is, just to get the nuance. Because when it comes to crypto, there are many ways of earning an income, as you know, right? So you'd want to sit with Augusto or whoever your preferred tax advisor is and go through, I have a crypto portfolio, and this is what I'm going to be doing with it for him or her to, to help you understand if there are any tax implications, what the taxes would be. But generally speaking, we can say that capital gains for investors would be tax-free. 
uh, I'm going to move on to the second part to his question. If you hold crypto as an asset on the balance sheet with a Portugal company, what are the implications of that, Augusto? Sorry, Darren. Could could you just uh, repeat? Um, think some sure. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. So problems. he the, the second quest the second part of his question is what if he's holding crypto using a Portugal company? What are the tax implications to that? Okay. So the any gain derived from crypto trading or any transaction with the crypto assets would be part of the taxable profit of the company. The main challenge would be to determine the amount of the gain to reflect in the in the accounting records, but that's another discussion. Hmm. But that w- any gain would be part of the taxable income of the company. Mm-hmm. And be taxable at Portugal corporate tax rates, which yeah. are roughly how much? 20, 21% plus 1.5% of municipal su- surcharge. So, which is pr- pretty yeah. reasonable, yeah. generally speaking, because for a USC corp, you're looking at 21%. So it's in line with what you would experience in the US. So it's same thing. But again, uh, Samir, if you have a, a portfolio, best advice, get uh, get your, you know, get you the details of your investments and you know your asset portfolio together and sit with a Portugal qualified tax advisor of your choice and, and, and walk through it just to make sure that you, you're heading in the right direction. You need to get advice. Okay, moving on. So this is actually from any other questions. So Patricia asked, you know, we were chatting we were having like a quick conversation before we went live. And she mentioned that one or two of you were asking about something called a PFIC or PFEC. So this, unfortunately, is something that we deal with every day. What is a PFEC? A PFEC, a PFIC or PFEC stands for Passive Foreign Investment Company. What does that mean? So under US tax rules, international tax rules. There are what we call, there's a classification of rules that we call anti-deferral rules. And what it seeks to do, it it seeks to prevent anyone uh, from using a US person, from using offshore investments or investments outside of the US to basically get an advantage over a similar investment within the US. So, right, so to create an, a level playing field. So the first big one, I think, was in the 1960s. We had subpart F rules. And then the next big one came in 1986 under President Reagan, which will be a whole range of tax reform, which includes the PFIC rules that you mentioned. And the most recent one is the end of 2017 under President Trump Tax Cut and Jobs Act. So what, what is the PFIC rule? So what is a PFIC in the first place, right? So essentially, it's a non-US mutual fund. It's, it's defined in a lot of detail in section 1297. But basically, it's and when you set up a, a structure outside of the US, and you, you can trigger PFIC status in one of two ways, either when more 75% or more of your gross income is classified as passive. So 75% of the 
or more of the income derived from whatever this structure is, is in the form of interest, dividends, capital gains, et cetera, right? So passive, so unearned income, passive income, 75% or more, that's the first way. And then the second way is if 50% or more, or more of the assets in the structure are held for the production of that passive income. So there's a 75% rule and a 50% rule. So essentially, to cut to the chase, uh, when you apply for the golden visa, for those who are inclined to, to take the golden visa route, which is, which is there are huge advantages to that, in, in, you know, because you can have the, the benefit and the privilege to, to spend an extended period of time in Portugal without potentially triggering tax residency in Portugal. So you don't need to worry about NHR, you don't need to worry about anything if you plan it correctly with your golden visa, right? So huge win. Now, unfortunately, some of the funds do trigger PFIC status. Some of the golden visa investment funds do trigger PFIC status. What does that mean? I mean, what are the implications of that? We just know it's a bad thing, right? So what it means is that if your taxes aren't being done properly from a US perspective, there's some really nasty throwback rules that would kick in. And as a result, you'll be taxed at the highest marginal tax rate, which is, I think, 37%. So that's a pretty high tax rate. And this is not just on income that is realized. It could, you can be taxed on unrealized gains within that fund. So basically being taxed on phantom income, income that you have not constructively received, you're going to be paying taxes on it at a really high, at the highest marginal tax rate, which is 37. That is not a good thing, obviously. So you'd want to sit with your preferred tax advisor. There are, there are tools that you can use. You can defer. You can, we have clients that have made an election. You need to declare to the IRS. There's no hiding from this. The, the more you try to hide stuff like this from the IRS, the worse the penalties become. They become pretty draconian. And if you don't declare them on other forms like you, you know, the FBARs and stuff, it could be, it could even be criminal penalties, not just civil, but criminal as well. So you, you want to be very, very careful. You want to get proper advice on this. So you can make an election to defer payment until there's a liquidity event at the end of the holding period, you can. Or you can do what we call a QEF election uh, under one of the, the code sections. Basically, you can elect to treat it as a QEF, which means a qualified electing fund, a qualified electing fund, uh, the QEF. So as a result of that, every year, a statement would need to be produced. And again, we work with funds uh, in various parts of the world. I, I don't want to name any because I'm not recommending anyone, but we do work with funds to prepare QEF statements for the US exposed investors. And with that statement, your US tax advisor would need to, to have that statement and they'll fill in something called a form 8621. And it will avoid, it's not, you're not gonna pay no tax but you can avoid the nasty throwback rules by making uh, yearly reports, annual reports with your tax returns of the, the movement in the fund. So if there's growth in the fund, unfortunately, you know, that needs to be declared taxes paid, but 
to some extent you if the 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 investment declines in value in, in one of the funds you can claim some what we call unreverse inclusions it gets really technical but the, the point is the takeaway that i want you to to have from this is that if it's a PFIC, it's not the end of the world. That's the first thing. Stop panicking because we know people do panic. And the second thing is get advice immediately because the throwback rules are no joke. They're really aggressive. Get advice, clean up any of the past issues that need to be cleaned up. And on a go forward basis, there's certain elections you can make for, for less aggressive tax treatment. So those are your three takeaways. Don't panic, look back, look forward. Hope that helps. All right. Any other questions? I'm going to have a quick look on Facebook to see how the Facebook people are doing. Any questions? No, seems like we're good. All right. And there's none here in Zoom. So I think we have an audience that is pleased, an audience that is satisfied that we have not necessarily addressed the concern but pointed them in the right direction where they can get qualified advice to do things in the right way. Patricia, any parting comments? No, thank you so much for clarifying kind of the more uh, frequently um, asked questions. Um, we've got your contact so clients can reach out to us and we'll redirect you. Um, and it's very useful to find someone they can advise on kind of both ends. A lot of people have really good accountants in the US, but they don't necessarily, they're not familiar with Portugal and vice versa. So I thank you guys uh, are doing a very um, stellar job to kind of support the expat community here. So thanks very much. Okay, my pleasure. So again, my name is Darren Joseph and I'm here with Augusta Polino. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to us. Have a good evening, morning, day, depending on what time zone you're in. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Thank you. Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on U.S. Expat Texas and International Entrepreneur Texas at www.htj.tex. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.hcj.tax. Number three, contact us for tax optimization consult over Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.